You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. You know, over the Christmas break, had a good time uh, just with the kids. Me, Macy, and the boys spent a lot of time in the backyard, uh, and the boys really got into hide-and-seek this year, okay? So what would happen is the boys would go hide, they'd have Baylor uh, counting, and invariably when he was done, he would go around saying things like, Lawton, where are you? To which nothing would happen. Lawton's was quiet, he was just out there. Stetson, where are you? But then he would get to baby Trad. And he would say, baby Trad, where are you? And then invariably, no matter where baby Trad was in the yard, off in the distance, you would hear, I'm right here, here I am. We just had the absolute best time with that whole time. We laughed, Baylor had a great time. We did it so many times and without fail, he delivered every single time. It was amazing. Well, that's a cute version of baby Trad being lost and letting us know where he is. But there's a, also a not so cute story. And if you're here about a, a, a couple months ago, I don't know when I told the story, I did tell the church the story uh, before, so I won't go to all the details. But I was preparing this message um, at the beach this, this, this past week, and I couldn't help but remember the time that we lost baby Trad. And if you're a family of more than two or three kids, especially once you get to four, you play this game where you count your kids constantly. Like, I don't say their names, I'm like, one, two, three, four, right, got them, check, got them all. So I did that. I, we were at the beach, we were hanging out with my family, uh, and uh, I counted all of them. One, two, three, four, got it. All of a sudden, Macy looks over to me and says, hey, babe, Where's baby Chad? I'm like, babe, I just can't. He's right. Okay, no. He's somewhere. I just, literally, I just counted him. And how many of you guys know when you can't find your child, there's only a very small window that you don't begin the freak out process? Well, we were all surrounded by our family and we quickly understood something is wrong here. He couldn't hear us. We didn't hear a response back. And if you know baby Chad, he's vocal. Okay? And in that moment, what I immediately felt was like somebody pushed the pause button. All the meanwhile, my life was going 100 miles an hour trying to figure out where in the world can my child be. I ran up and down the beach as much as I could. I ran to the road. I ran out into the ocean. I mean, I sliced my foot wide open, had no idea because all the adrenaline. I was screaming with God, God, I need you to show yourself. My baby boy is gone. I need him. My life was on pause. And all of a sudden, a few hundred yards down the beach when we were searching for him, there was a sight that had never looked so good in my life. I saw my baby boy. I saw what he looked like. I knew it was him. And I ran literally as fast as I could run to him. And in that moment, my life hit hit the play button again in the right direction. How many of you guys know that that could have gone in a whole completely different direction? You see, when our life gets on pause, there's a lot of things that can kind of go wrong. And, and, and over these last couple of years, every one of us to some extent has had our life on pause. And the goal is hopefully at some point we're trying to figure out how to push play again, but we're doing it in a certain way. We're doing it in God's way, not our way. Well, there's a guy in the Bible, what we're going to read about in John chapter 5, so you can go ahead and turn there, whether you have your Bibles or whether you're doing it on your your phone, because there's a guy in the story, uh, in the Bible, who I imagine wondered, will my life ever get off a pause? 
This is John chapter 5. Let's read the first, first couple of verses here. Number, uh, verse number 1. It says, later Jesus went to Jerusalem for a Jewish festival. This was near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. And there was a pool called the Bethesda Pool in Hebrew. It had five porches, and under these porches, a large number of sick people, people who were blind, they were lame, they were paralyzed, used to lie. One man who had been sick for 38 years was lying there. And so we see here that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, and he makes a point to go to this pool where sick people hang out. Now, what would happen is that they would, they would wait for the water to be moved or to be stirred. What, what they actually believed is they believed that an angel of the Lord would come and they would stir the water and whoever was the first person into the water, the first person to touch the water, that whatever their ailment was, whatever their disease would, was, would be healed, but they had to be the first person. Hundreds, if not thousands of people were crowded all around this spot. And it's in this crowd that Jesus is purposely walking through. Verse number six, he says, Jesus saw the man. Jesus saw the man lying there and knew that he had been sick for a long time. So Jesus asked the man, would you like to get well? The sick man answered Jesus, sir, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get there, somebody else steps into the pool ahead of me. Jesus simply told the man, get up, pick up your cot, pick up your mat and walk. The man immediately became well, picked up his cot, and walked. Church, I believe that there's, in this scripture, it gives us three things about the character of Jesus. I believe that there's three things uh, of the kind of person of who Jesus is. And these are three things that I think are going to be crucial to understand when we're trying to get our life off of pause. Because it's not going to be by our own doing. It's not going to be by us hitting the play button. Because remember what we said, what, what, we said yes to something in the very beginning of the service. We said yes to who? God. We're not saying yes to us, we're saying yes to God, okay? So Jesus, he saw this man lying there, and Scripture tells us that he knew he had been there for a long time. Jesus knew this man's situation. Jesus knew the challenges that he was going through. 38 years this man had been sitting there. 38 years, this man had been paralyzed, unable to walk, and 38 years of hoping for some kind of miracle to happen in his life. So the first thing that I, I wanna point out to you that scripture tells us in this story for us getting our life off of pause is that Jesus knew his situation. Jesus knew his situation. Have you ever wondered if God knows you? I know I have. There's been those moments in life where I can be so on fire, but then there's these other moments where I just, God, do you even know me? G guys, God is showing us right here. Listen, I knew you just like I knew this man. But so often we wonder, do people even know I'm on this earth? So often in life, we, we, we feel like we're just kind of unnoticed. We can get in that isolation mode and we can feel like, man, it just, does my life even matter? It just feels worthless sometimes. I feel just so unnoticed. But no, 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 God's, God's saying no. No, 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 you're not alone. I, I know you. I know the number of hairs on your head. Listen, I know everything about you. I knew you before you were even formed. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God's saying, hey, you're, you're not alone. 
I'm coming with you in 2022. We got to understand that God knows you perfectly. He knows everything about you. He knows your desires. He knows your dreams. He knows your goals. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalms 139. And I love this thought. He gives it to us as as such a great encouragement. Talking about God, David says this in the book of Psalms. He says this, Oh Lord, you have examined me and you know me. You know me, but listen to how well he knows us. You alone know when I sit down and when I get up, you read my thoughts from far away. You watch me when I travel and when I rest. You're familiar with all my ways. Even before there is a single word on my tongue, you know all about it. Lord, you're all around me. You're in front of me, you're in back of me. You lay your hand on me. Here's the picture that I get. It's kind of like for me when uh, for my boys when, when they come back, when I come back from the airport. And they're so excited. It's like they're watching every single person come off of the tar- tarmac. They're, you know, at Charleston Airport, you round that corner. You're just waiting for that person. And all of a sudden, I appear. My boys freak out. They're screaming, Daddy! Daddy! And I don't know why the Charleston Airport did this, but there's only one exit for everybody to get back in here. And so they grab onto my legs. They're holding onto me. They're hugging me. Meanwhile, everybody's getting backed up. Why do they do that? It's because my boys know me. They they know my futures. And God sees you. You're not forgotten. God knows exactly where you are going into 2022. One of the teachings that I do with our volunteers is this. I show them a map. And this map is true whether you're at a mall or whether you're trying to get directions on where to go. And they're going to put this map up behind me here. But there's a key future in every map that is the most important part about that map. The most important part about any map is that little red X that you see most places. It tells you where you are because if you don't know where you are, you'll never know where you're going. And it's so important to understand that. You have to understand that when you're trying to figure out how to un unpause my life and get going in the direction, you have to understand that God knows you. That's our starting place. He knows your situation that you're going through. He knows the challenges that you face. He knows your hopes and dreams. God is for you. He's not against you. And God knows and he's preparing to take action in a way that will leave a permanent life altering imprint on you this year. Just like he did in that paralyzed man's life. So the first thing we got to understand as a starting point is you got to know Jesus, he knows you. God knows you. The second thing that you're going to see in this story is that Jesus chose him. So not only did he know him, but he chose him. You see, Jesus chose to go to the pool. He didn't have to. I mean, it didn't surprise him. Like, he didn't, like, go, oh, wow, look at this football field-sized pool in the middle of nowhere. Come on, let's get some cannonball action going on right now, right? No, it didn't, it didn't surprise him. He didn't have this pool like, oh, well, I wonder when they constructed this whole thing. No, he knew exactly where he was going. He didn't just stumble upon it. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he was doing what he does to every single one of us. He was on a specific rescue mission for him. And the same thing is true with you. The same thing is true with me. He was going to the pool the same way he went to the woman at the well in Samaria. The same way that he healed so many people in the New Testament. And it's the same way that Jesus restored the sight of two blind men on the side of a road when he was leaving Jericho. It's the same way that he meets you exactly where you are. 
And this is the theme that he's constantly kind of trying to show us throughout the entire Bible. And he's desperately trying to communicate to us is that he chooses you. He always leaves the 99 and he always goes after the one. And that's not just about salvation, even though that's the main deal with that whole thing. But it's not like you get saved and Jesus is like, all right, good. Good luck figuring out the rest of life. No, no, he's always pursuing us. He's always chasing us. And here's what I love is not only does he choose you, but he wants the best for you. Jesus says, I have come to give you life, to give you life to the fullest. I want you to have an abundant life. Like how many of you guys want to have a year that is filled with abundance because of what God's doing in your life? Does that be true? Come on, just... I'm just trying to fan some, the flame of what God is trying to do this morning. See, you, you gotta realize something, is when I did this message, I did it around a fire, and what happens to a fire when you blow into a fire? It gets bigger, right? Well, how many of you guys remember the really windy day that we had this past week, that the scaffolding fall downtown and all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the brilliant day that I decided to try to do a fire, okay? Well, it quickly got out of hand because of so much wind, but here's what God did inside of me. Sometimes we gotta fan the flame of our spiritual life. We've gotta increase the expectancy of what God is gonna do in our life because he meets us at the level of our expectations, amen? I'm just trying to fan the flame a little bit for you guys this morning. Expect more of God and he's always gonna meet you there. You know the amazing thing about Jesus? He wants the best for us even when we don't. No, notice this in verse number six. He, he goes to the sick man and says, do you want to be made well? You see, the man didn't respond with a yes. Rather, he tells Jesus of his tragic situation. Verse number seven, he says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is being stirred, I don't have anybody there. Listen, God, I'm trying my best to get down there, but someone always steps in front of me. And I love what Jesus does here. Watch this. Jesus tells the man, all right, not a problem. Get up, take your mat, and walk. What does he do? He takes action. Even when we make excuses, God still chases after us. Even when we don't have faith, God still chooses us. Listen to how uh, Charles Spurgeon, he was a master theologian back in the 18th century. Listen to how he summarizes. This, this hit me hard. They're going to put it on the screen so you can follow me. But this is how he summarizes. He says, a multitude of needy people were there, yet none of them looked to Jesus. A blindness had come over these people at the pool. There they were, and there was Christ, who could heal them, but not a single one of them sought him. Their eyes were fixed on something. Their eyes were fixed on the water, expecting it to be troubled. They were so taken up with their own chosen way that the true way was neglected. It hit me just like it hit you when I heard that. I had to do some praying right there. I said, Lord, oh, Lord, I don't want it to be my way. God, I need to choose you. Lord, I say yes to you this year. But can't you, I mean, I can imagine that after 38 years, you start to lose faith in your situation will ever change. And you might be here this morning saying, Dave, Dave, listen, listen, with everything that's gone on with my life, especially with everything that's gone on in the last couple of years, I just don't have a lot of faith, man. The way that my life has gone, what little faith that I did have, I, I just, man, it's just so low. I feel like I've kind of lost the faith that I've had, uh, what little I did have. Did you know that the biggest faith you need is a mustard seed sized faith? 
Which, by the way, if you're new here, and you're maybe even, even if you're new to church, that's one of the best things about church. Because listen to me, if you bring, you don't have to have much. Scripture tells us all we need is a mustard seed-sized faith. You bring that into here. Then you get involved, let's say you're involved in a group. Maybe you get involved in a volunteer ministry. You start doing life with people. You bring your mustard seed side faith. I bring my mustard seed size faith. The people that you're doing life with bring their mustard seed size faith. That's a whole lot of faith. That's a whole lot of faith that God can work with. God can work with just a mustard seed size faith to heal the sick. He can work with a mustard seed size faith to bring home the prodigals, right? He can do miracles with just a mustard seed sized faith faith. There's a story in Mark just a few chapters later of a boy who has all kinds of problems. And his dad comes to Jesus asking for help. He's desperate for help. He says, my son has a problem. God, I need, I, Jesus, I need your help. And here's what he asks. Jesus asks him back, well, how long has your son had a problem? The dad answers him back and says, man, it's been since childhood. This is Mark chapter 9, verse 22. Look at, look at what the dad says. He said, listen, the, the problems that my son has, it has often thrown him into the fire or in the water to kill him. And then the dad says this to Jesus. He says, but, but, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, says Jesus, if you can, Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. But would you help me? Would you help me overcome the part of me that does have unbelief? What is he saying? He's saying, God, God can you help me, God? God, I, I want to believe that my situation can get better. I want to believe that I can, I can hit play this year and that 2022 is going to be better. I want to believe, I know you have chosen me. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my life off a of pause. I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But, but, but God, can, can you help the part of me that has unbelief? You see, what's awesome about this little short story, Jesus isn't turned off by this. You don't see Jesus turn away from him, this unbelieving fool. No, no, no. Rather, we see the opposite. Jesus chases after us every single time. He chooses you. He comes to give you everything that you need to live an abundant life. Today, he wants to give you the faith that you need. Today, he wants to give you the strength that you need. Today, he wants to give you the vision that you need for 2022. Today, he has come to reignite the dreams that you've laid into the, into the graveyard. Come on, how many of you guys want to go into this year saying, God, I need the faith for you to be able to act in my life. God, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you say, God, I need faith for me to say yes to you right now. Come on, right now, let's go ahead and just settle this. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you have faith rise up. If your hand's not up and you wish it were, go ahead and raise it up. God, I pray for faith to rise all over this room. Father, and, and just let it rise everywhere. Father, would you give us more faith this year than ever before to accomplish your will? Father, this is not about us, but God, we trust you. God, our faith is not in ourselves. God, our faith is not in our own abilities. God, our faith is not in this world. God, our faith is in you. And God, we say yes to you. God, would you give every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, the mustard seed size faith that we need to accomplish your world. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Church, I'm just trying to fan the flame a little bit. I think God's wanting to come through to us this year and say, hey, I know this year has been crazy. I know the last couple, I'm trying to fan the flame in your life. I want you to increase your spiritual expectation. 
All right, let's head to the finish line with the story here, okay? We understand that God knows us. We understand that God chose us. And here's the last thing that I want to point out to you as we, as we push play on the life that God has for us this year is we have to understand Jesus' power. We have to. Jesus tells, tells the man, get up, take your mat, and walk. And then listen to what he says in verse number nine. Verse number nine says, at once... At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. At once he was cured. At once he picked up his mat. At once he walked. If, you're, if you got your physical Bible, I want you to bold that word. I want you to underline that word. If you got your Bible app, highlight the fire out of that because there's something special about those two little words that says, at once, at once signifies something at once signifies the immediacy of Jesus's power. Some of us need to understand that. Sometimes God feels so distant. I wonder if he's gonna come. No, no, no. it's the immediacy of Jesus's power that operates in our life. Some of us need to understand that in order to have the year that God wants, we need to increase our expectations. You see, because when God speaks in our life, and he's always speaking. That's what I love about these 21 days is because we silent the voices and the noise in our head. We get quieter and what happens? God gets louder in our life. He's always speaking. And when God speaks in our lives, diseased muscles and diseased bones or whatever was paralyzing this man for, 20, for 38 years are healed. And at once they obeyed. I said at once, diseased muscles and bones were healed. They had, what is this saying? When God speaks, when God speaks in your life, sicknesses are healed. When God speaks in your life, relationships are restored. When God speaks in your life, addictions are broken, breakthroughs are released, dreams are given, and visions for your life are revealed. I hope you guys are getting this because I, I just, man, God's got me so jacked up for what he's got coming this year. But see, I, I also want to caution you on something because you need to be careful because when, when this begins to happen, when he begins to speak and he's going to speak to you, what happens is for some reason we begin to discredit ourselves. For some reason we feel the overwhelming need to reveal to God all of our weaknesses God, I got too much anxiety. I, I can't do that. God, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't know what excuse you have in your, in, in your head. But all these excuses come out and we begin to offer every reason to God of why this is not going to work. Can I tell you, you don't need to worry about your weakness because listen to what Jesus says to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Embrace your weakness because God is made perfect. His power is made perfect. Could this be the year, church, that we realize something? Could this be the year that we realize it ain't about us? Maybe this is the year that we realize, God, it's about how much I can lean on you. How much can I say yes to you and no to whatever I got up in my head? Last story that I have for you today. You guys doing okay? 
You see, we've dissected this Mark chapter five. And you know, guys, I, I really wrestled with this last story. I, I didn't know that I was going to put it in there, but I really felt like in my spirit, the Lord kept bringing me back to this story. Okay. So I've given you some points. Can, can, I, can you get out of your head a little bit? Can you give me your heart for just a few minutes? Okay, this is, this is Mark chapter 8. Listen, I really feel like the Lord wanted me to give this to you guys today. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Here's what it says. They came to Bethsaida, and some of the people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Isn't it interesting that they brought a friend to Jesus, and then they tried to direct Jesus on how to do it? That's not a good idea. Don't bring that into 2022. Jesus didn't do that. Rather, listen to what he says. He says, he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside of the village. Jesus leads this man away from where he is. He leads him outside of the village because, you see, sometimes in order for God to speak to us and to change the things that we need for him to do in our life, we need to change the environment that we're in. You know, sometimes we need to change the people that we're surrounding ourselves with. He led him outside of the village to accomplish what he needed. And says, when he had, when he had spit on the man's eyes and he put his hands on him outside of the village. Guys, you got to love God's humor. I love God's humor. You see these friends, right? They bring him to Jesus. Say, hey, 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 we want you to put your hand on my friend. And Jesus is like, nope. Ain't doing the hand thing this time, doing the spit thing, right? You got to love the humor of God. And yes, I know that that's funny. But you see, I think Jesus did it on purpose that way. You see, because so often we approach God assuming that we already know how to do it. And, and, and he's saying back to us, hey, don't come to me trying to, to create the rules for me to work in your life. I got this. Dave, Dave, I need you to depend on me. Dave, Dave, will you stop trying to do it your own way? Dave, I need you this year. Jesus asked, hey, do you see anything? He looked up and he said this. He said, yes. He said, I see, I see people. I do, I see people, but, but they look a little different. I see people, but they look like they're walking like trees. I got a question for you. If he's blind, how does he know what trees look like? You see, because there's only one explanation of this whole thing is that he once had sight and at some point he lost his sight. He knew what trees were. He says, I, I see people, but they look like trees. And then you get two words. You get two words that I really want you to hear today, Cathedral. You ready? Once more, once more, Jesus, the only person who has the ability to heal perfectly, prays for the guy a second time. And I think those are the most important words of this entire story. Because God's saying, listen, I'm willing. God's saying, hey, even though you had a vision and you lost a vision, I'm ready to give you a once more kind of experience. You know, especially if you find yourself here and you may say, you know what, I, you've been in church for a long time. Maybe you've had this relationship. Maybe, you, maybe your experience with God has kind of grown stale. 
once more. He's a once more kind of God. And I really, really feel like, I think this is why I wrestled with it so long, but I feel like somebody here this morning needs to hear God trying to communicate something this morning. He's not done with you yet. Once more, once more, you need to know that God has a once more kind of touch and kind of experience for you right now. You know, recently we had the beautiful opportunity to sit down with somebody who actually sits right next to you every single weekend. Well, in her life, she had a once more kind of experience with God. Take a look at this. I'm Jennifer Collier, and this is my story. As a child growing up, I came from a home of um, alcohol, drugs, abuse. We were never really taken to church, but occasionally if there was a church bus that came through the neighborhood, my mom was putting us on the bus and we were going, so we were bus ministry kids. And I remember early on as a child looking at the families and just wishing and longing for that and, and wanting that so badly. So at 17, I started dating one of the ministers at the church and we ended up getting married. Um, I was very young still, but at that time, I feel like I was much older, but looking back, maybe not. And things were looking really good. And I was like, this is the life I've always dreamed of. This is what, it, this is it, this is it. Five years into our marriage, we gave birth to the fir our first child, our daughter, and uh, my husband was involved in a car accident. And the next six years of our, our marriage was trial because he became addicted to pain medications. And it was, you know, I would watch him time and time again, uh, pouring the medications down, flushing them down the toilet and just crying and, you know, asking God to help him to get past this and because it was, it was destroying our family. Then several years later, our second daughter came along and by this time, our marriage was on the brinks of being over. I just didn't know who he was anymore. Um, we were putting on the happy preacher's family face at church in front of our congregation, and at home it was a different story. And I didn't know who to talk to about because we were the pastor's family. And so um, one thing led to another, and our marriage ended in a very volatile divorce. I remember praying and just saying, I don't understand. You know, my divorce is, uh, my, my marriage is over. My children need their father. There's nobody that's ever gonna love my children like you do. I don't understand what's going on. And I said, but nonetheless, and I remember I had a letter that my husband had written me and I held it up and I said, God, I don't know if you're going to restore him back to our family or what you're gonna do, but I said, I surrender it to you. The next day was a Thursday and I was on my way to choir practice and I got a phone call and it was the Seattle Police Department. They said, do you know a Mr. My husband's name. And I said, yes, he's the father of my two children. And they said, we just found him dead in a hotel of a drug overdose. And I remember thinking, that was not at all what I expected to happen. God, I don't understand. And I just remember thinking, how? How, do, how does a person go, you know, from where we were to where we are now? And and it was, it was a very shaky time. And as far as I, I didn't understand because it wasn't the outcome that anybody had anticipated. We continued in the church and everything and my girls were very active and in the church and all. And then one day I get a call from my oldest daughter and she says, mom, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, what's going on, baby? What's, she was 15 at the time. And she said, mom, the police are on the way to the house. 
And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, I was sexually assaulted by one of the pastors of the church. That was the hardest phone call, aside from getting the call about their father I've ever received in my life. I said, surely this is, there's got to be a mistake. This cannot be true because this was something I had vowed to protect my children from because I knew what this felt like as a child, and I knew what it felt like. One thing led to another, and we were going through the whole process, and we reached out to the, the pastor of the church we were attending at the time and trying to figure out how to, well, what are we going to do? How, 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 where, what's, how do we handle this? And we were told, we don't want to get involved. This happened outside the church. It needs to be handled outside the church. We don't want to take sides. We don't want any part. And the congregation was told not to get involved and not to discuss anything concerning the matter. So now not only were we broken, but we were alone. And I remember a friend of mine told me about Cathedral. She said, why don't you try there? And so we left uh, and we made the decision. I, I said I had to for the sake of my family, my children, and for myself. And the first couple couple of times I came to Cathedral, I sat in the parking lot and I never made it to the door. I sat in my car and I cried. I said, God, I know this is where I need to be. I know that I need you. I know that I can't fix these things by myself. But God, the very thing I've turned to, the very thing that I trusted, is the very thing that's caused my family the most pain and the most hurt. And how do I handle that, God? And I just knew that I still had to keep trying. And finally, I was able to make it through the doors. And so I would come. And for about the first three years, I sat on the view and I was just like content to sit. You know, I was like, I'm just here. That's good enough for me. And I just remember God showing me time and time again. It's simple. Love God, love people. You've complicated it. And he stripped away so much of what I thought I knew of him and began to show me more of the simplicity of who he was. And at that point, I started going to some of the small groups. I was like, all right, I'll check out some of these small groups. And I remember one of the first small groups I went to was um, Life Recovery Group. And I remember thinking, well, shucks, if anybody needs some recovering from life, this girl needs it. And I remember that when I got to the group, I didn't realize exactly what it entailed, but it was what I needed. It was what I needed. It was steps in the right direction for me to get back on track. I needed God to remind me that I couldn't have unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or any of that and move forward, that I had to let those things go for me, not for anybody else, but for me. And I, I wanted it so badly, you know, of course, for my children, but I knew I needed it for me and to be the example for them. And I know that that's where I am. That's where I am at this point. It's God saying, Every bit of what you've endured is so that you can tell someone else about how I was your healer because you were sick and you needed healing. I was your provider because you had nothing and I provided for you. You know, and all these different things, it's not about just reading about it, it was about experiencing it. And so I'm thankful for where God has brought me through and from and everything that my experiences in, in life it's, it's not in vain. I know that it's for a greater purpose. It's for His purpose. It's for His glory. And I'm just excited to be able to share.
You see, I don't, I don't know what you're bringing into 2022. I don't know what's hurt you. I don't, I don't know what has put your life on pause. Some of you guys may have a story like her where you're bringing in some church hurt. But let me, let me let you hear me clearly. So often people put church hurt as God. That's people hurt. As a pastor, can, if that is you, can I, can I just say sorry for whoever did that to you? I pray one of the biggest prayers I have, God, I, I don't want to abuse anything that you have given us. Lord, would you bless us with people and would, we, would you allow us to steward them well? So on behalf of the Big C Church, can I, if I ask you, can I just say sorry? I'm sorry. But I love what she said there. It took her three to four days of sitting in the parking lot, letting God work on her exactly where she is. God knew her. God knew her situation. God knew the paralyzed man. He knew his situation. And this morning, he knows you. He knows the situation you're going through. And he meets you exactly where you are. Once more. Mark chapter 8, verse 25. Once more, Jesus puts his hand on the man's eyes. His eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Church, that's my prayer for you this morning. Father, that's my prayer. Father, would you give us a fresh vision this year? Father, would you allow us to bring all of what we have to you this guy, this year? Lord, we bring it to you and we put it at your feet. Father, would you, tr we just ask God, would you draw us close to you this year? Father, we want to be close to you this year. Lord, we know that you know us. Lord, just put your hands out in front of us, in front of you. Lord, we know that you chose us. And I just want you to get the picture. Jesus is standing right in front of you. He chooses you. You're not neglected. You're not worthless. You haven't done too many bad things in this life. God's standing in front of you this morning and he chooses you. Father, we understand the power of your son, Jesus. Lord, we understand that not only is he an at-once God and he can work miracles in our lives, he's a supernatural God. We understand that you're an at-once kind of a God, but you don't just stop there. You're also a once more kind of God. Father, would you just come alive in our life this year? Lord, we say yes to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. amen. Lord, I hope that just blesses you this morning. Listen, church, I, I just, I'm just trying to fan the flame that God has for you. He's got something so big. If you haven't dreamed yet this year, take the time to do so. We're getting ready to start 21 days of prayer tomorrow morning. Can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? 
Y'all know one of my prayers every year, God, I want more people. You know how many people we had last year involved in 21 days of prayer. God, I want more people than ever before involved in seeking your face and praying and fasting. Can I tell you? He's never not answered that prayer for me. I'm praying it again this year. Who in this auditorium is gonna start 21 days of prayer for the first time? Because this year, he's gonna meet you exactly where you are. He's got things so big for you. Oh, I can't wait to hear the testimony of God's goodness in your life. He's too good not to believe, church. He's too good not to believe. Read his word. It has so many promises. Everything that you do, you will prosper this year. Come on, let's just give God a good clap. Come on, you can do a little better this morning. Let's give God some praise this morning. I'll see you tomorrow morning. I'm launching this thing tomorrow morning. You better come ready. It's 6.30. I know it's early. We'll be having coffee out in the front. I'm going to be just as jacked up. It's online as well. Okay, we got moms who watch four kids and get them ready for school in the morning, amen? Macy every morning puts that iPad right on the countertop and her and my four boys watch it. So if you absolutely cannot make it live, join us online. Lord bless you, Lord keep you. Lord cause his face to shine upon you with the reality that you can say yes to God and God's gonna meet you this year in 2022. It's gonna be a phenomenal year. And everybody said, amen. amen. Lord bless you guys, love you guys so much. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.